Wow. First deal, not only is it 40 units, you also got it on creative finance, specifically having a seller finance deal. Uh, yep. Would you be open to sharing some of the numbers about a deal with us, like purchase price, expected returns, et cetera, like that? Yeah, yeah, definitely, man. So uh, how the deal was structured was it ended up being a, a purchase price of $2.9 million. It turned out to be 17% down, 3% interest rate, and interest-only payments for five years, which is absurd if you think what the market was doing back in like November of last year. Hey, welcome to another episode of Affordable Housing and Real Estate Investing. Today, I got my guy, Trevor Walker, in the house, one of the co-founders of the Multifamily Freedom Chasers. Um, this guy and his partner, Marcel, uh, they I first met them uh, at one of the big conferences, and I really got to connect with them. I heard this story and I said, wow, I, I definitely want to get these guys on because not only are they working full-time jobs, but they were able to amass over $3 million of real estate under management during that time. So if you want to talk about no excuses, these guys are the perfect examples of that. So without further ado, Trevor, welcome to the show, man. Thank you so much for coming on here. Just tell the audience a little bit about yourself, your background, and how'd you get involved in real estate, man? Yeah, yeah. Can I tell you what, man? It's a real pleasure to be here. Uh, and the audience doesn't know you and I got a chance to chat a little bit of shop right earlier this week. So um, everybody, I told Kent before we started, I get to be with this man twice in a week. Like it's my <laughs> privilege. So super stoked to be on here. But in a nutshell, man, I am what you call and I, I would throw you in this boat as well. And, and maybe many of your listeners in the thick of life, in the thick of life. And what do I mean by the thick of life? I'm talking about you're working an existing W-2 job, which I'm in the engineer textile industry. Uh, you have a spouse at home. You have multiple small children, multiple small children. Kent, you know it's a game changer, man, when you go from one to two kids, man. <laughs> you know the drill, bro. You know the drill. <laughs> um, so, As so my I daughter is literally screaming in the background. So I completely get it, man. Keep That's going. Right. That's right. So thick of life, right? So, so multiple small children under five years and younger. I have a five-year-old and a two-year-old while paving a way in a new space in multifamily real estate. So that's everything that I got going on, plus sprinkle in some community involvement in there as well. And man, I, everything changed for me starting really last summer. I, I was dabbling in the single family space. I was, you know, it, it was in my heart kit, like beating in there deep, like, what about multifamily? What about multifamily? But it, it was, I had a mental block knowing that, you know what, how do I make this jump? How do I make this jump? And, and I was under the impression that you got to cut your teeth in the single family space and build up your resume there before you make the quantum leap to multifamily real estate. And actually that's false, by the way, we can get into that mindset um, and how that actually happens. But, but, but not to fast forward too quickly, Everything started changing for me back in the beginning of May to be the beginning of June last year. And I do love my family a lot. And really, it all started was it was a sequence of quite scary medical events that my son experienced. A week later, my wife experienced. And then three weeks later, my daughter experienced. And Kent, it was a situation where 
I mean, you love your family, right? Which is one of the reasons why we vibe so much. And if you ever had a scary medical incident where it flashes in your mind, like, is my kid going to die? Like that was what was going on. It's just like, boom, like this could actually happen. My son could actually die tonight. Now, granted, the chance was small, but it was still there based off what was happening. So everybody was okay. Thank God. Everybody was okay. But these events all occurred within one month of each other. And you stack them on top of each other. And then you step out. And my wife and I, if you remember what the stock market was doing last summer, our retirement accounts from, you know, actually when we started, when we got married 12 years ago, they got absolutely obliterated that summer. The market was doing absolutely terrible. So now we fast forward to the end of the summer and I'm looking around and what do I have? What am I surrounded by? I'm surrounded by a fat stack of medical bills that I, that I can't pay off. I got to put on a payment plan and literally no hope for retirement. And as I took out my crystal ball, Kent, I took out my crystal ball and I gave it a little rub. And I was like, what does my future look like if I just let it play out the way that it's going right now? And literally what I saw was basically no freedom to not only create the life that I want for my family, but the impact that I wanted to have on so many other people. And it was at that moment where I looked myself in the mirror and I was like, something has to change. And Kent, it was in that moment, man, where I, I went all in in multifamily real estate. And pretty soon after that is when I met Marcel and pretty much the, the rest is history, right? But that's how I, I got into the multifamily space was that circumstantial events that just kind of, uh, put that internal pressure knowing that something has to change for the better. And I, I can't thank you enough for sharing that story, Trevor, because I think so many times we try to share almost these life-threatening stories with people hoping that they will resonate with it and do something after hearing our stories so that they don't have to get to that point. And I don't think waste is the right word, but waste all that time kind of meandering and trying to figure out and floating around and then making the decision. They can hear yep. your story, Trevor, and be like, hey, I don't ever want to get to that point and then make the decision. Let me learn from what Trevor has gone through and just make that commitment now. And I love that you use the story for kids. I mean, those are some of the biggest motivating factors for us as dads. It's like, how do you make sure you can provide for them and seeing how everything just worked out for you and it came together between the stock market and your kids going through something crazy medical wise that allowed you to take that jump. And sometimes that jump is the most scary, but then you look back and you really looked in the future at the same time and said, well, it seems more risky not to do something. So that's a great, great. story, man. Thank love you. Love it. Yeah. Thank you. Love it, love, I had no it. regrets, right? It was, it was very difficult at the time going through that situation and basically coming to the brink of like, the, the edge of the cliff, right? And figuring out you got to do something. But looking back on it, if those scary moments didn't happen, and thankfully everybody's okay, but if they didn't happen, there's no way I am where I am today, for sure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that how everything kind of happened for you, not to you in that situation. So, um, so you decided to get into real estate. You met your partner, Marcel. What does that pull back the curtains for the audience a little bit and actually tell us like what actually happened. Cause 
sometimes we have this the image in our head like, oh, I just got to magically meet one guy and <laughs> that my life would change. What were the con- some of the conversations high level like that you and Marcel shared and w- what happened from there? Absolutely. And what a fantastic question, Kent. It's things start to align when you make a decision, right? So that was the prerequisite to meeting Marcel is I'm going all in into the multifamily space. And literally, I met the guy not too long after that. And and the way it worked was that we both joined a mentorship independently, but at the same time, not knowing one another. And, you know, it's a virtual mentorship and we see each other take an action and we kind of vibe one another like, externally it's like okay i like the way this guy thinks i like his action taking he obviously thought the same thing about me and so we just jumped on a phone call to simply connect just to simply connect and we knew we we shared some things in common but it was one saturday morning literally probably about a year ago yeah almost to this saturday almost today about a year ago and it was one of those things kent where the phone conversation right off the bat was like lightning in a bottle. And, you know, I know this doesn't happen all the time, but it literally was magical to the point of being weird, (laughs) to the point of being weird. And, And here's what I mean by that. We share so much in common, so much in common from our life story, our core values, which actually is most important. And then just how we go about our life and the different priorities and things like that and our passion for multifamily real estate. And so coming out of that conversation that Saturday morning, and I remember it like it was yesterday, and we have a documented picture, Marcel has it, he he texted it to me, of right after the phone call, (laughs) me and him like chatting it up on FaceTime. He He took a screenshot of it. It's like, it's one for the memories, man, one for the memories. But we said, hey, coming out of this, let's become accountability partners. Let's become accountability partners. And so for mm-hmm. those listening, if you vibe with somebody, start with the on the foundational level, core values, core values. That's where it all starts. And if you want to partner up, even considering a partnership in the multifamily space, start out with dating and maybe just start out with holding each other accountable to take consistent action um, in your business and in your education. So that's where it started. But like I mentioned, man lightning in a bottle and pretty soon we realized dude let's link arms and let's make some magic happen in the multi-family real estate space interesting so you guys uh obviously kicked it off really well i i really love what you said here about philosophical um you call it like things just meshed it made a lot of sense accountability partners and core values i almost attributed to when i have partners that want to invest with me I would say something along the lines like, hey, I want to make sure we're philosophically aligned. And it comes from things like, hey, how do we make decisions when things go wrong? Hey, if this happens, I will probably do this. Are you okay with that? And I think playing through some of those hypotheticals allows you to communicate your core values through examples with your partners. And I think you and I are going to probably talk about raising capital at the end of this. This is going to be a fun conversation. Yeah, uh, I already feel it. I feel the vibe. Like, this is why I knew we're going to have a great conversation. So. Yes, you you guys vibed what were there sort of like responsibilities that you guys divided up i know you guys were just accountability partners but were you like hey i'm the really good guy with numbers i'm really good guy at operations like how did that conversation go down between the both of you because i really want the audience to figure out 
one, I don't need to do everything. But then two, how do I decide what and figure out what each other's strengths are in a partnership to make the team really, really well? Work? Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Great question, Kent. We actually, we started on the accountability side. We were doing anything and everything under the sun just to learn and take action. Like I was sourcing deals. Marcel was sourcing deals. I was underwriting deals. Marcel was underwriting deals. I was connecting with potential investors. He was doing the same. So all the above, which actually I would encourage people when they're starting, you want to dip your toe into all those mm -hmm. different kind of segments and swim lanes. So you can at least have some level of experience to speak intelligently to each one of those swim lanes. I would encourage people to do that when they're starting off. Now, what ended up happening was we organically, based off our disposition and our skill set, we organically evolved into our specific swim lanes. And of course, we, we added a couple of guys to our team, Victor and Caleb, along the way. But but Marcel is great because Marcel, I can't I can't compliment this guy enough, man. He brings out the best in me, and that's actually something to look for as well in partnerships. Just does the people that you link arms with do they elevate you to another level? And and I felt elevated every time I was working with Marcel, uh, which was another reason why we decided to link arms. But but not to get off on a rabbit trail. But our, our skill sets basically <clears throat> um, spurred us along into our specific swim lanes. Marcel, his W-2 is in quality control with VW, okay? And, and remember, this isn't Volkswagen only. This is like Porsche and, and, and BMW. This is like all the nice cars, right? Um, VW Group owns all those, those amazing vehicles. So he's in quality control. So he is already in a place where... He is analyzing problems, receiving feedback, and then problem solving and managing teams. And so where does that organically take you? It takes you into asset management, 100%. I'm fairly good with people. I like connecting with people. I like helping people. And um, so, so naturally that I evolved into the space of, you know, connecting with potential equity partners, uh, potential active partners. And then, of course, a lot of the messaging and branding and things like that. Um, so that, that's how it organically evolved. And, you know, Marcel, he's just there's nothing he can't do, man. There's nothing he can't do, Kent. But just because there's nothing you can't do doesn't mean you should do it all. Actually, you shouldn't do it all, even if you can do it all. Um, so now we have our respective swim lanes with the four different guys. The four freedom boys is what we're called. And uh, we're rocking and rolling, man yeah man and, and i love that you brought up like it's almost it was a natural fit for marcel and i think for some people out there the advice that i've been giving some folks that want to enter this world is hey i know you want to get into real estate but you don't have to just be a closer sometimes people think like hey i gotta go call cold call sellers they think, they think that's like the only way to get involved in real estate i'm and I'm giving them advice like, hey, if you're a really great project manager, maybe you want to become a construction manager for a multifamily development. If you are really good, like Marcel at QC, looking over the details, maybe you'd be best as an asset manager. And right. I think for your guys' story about working in full-time jobs, it's so important for you to find other groups in your team, especially if everybody is working full-time jobs because it takes a lot of time and a lot of dedication to actually get this train moving. Facts. And for you, it's really, really cool to see like why you guys decide to go about that way. And on top of that, learning about your, each other's strengths. But sometimes I get advice of, Hey, 
Tell me what gives you energy. And for you, you seem like a guy that loves to go to conferences, go to other people and meet a lot of people. You would be the perfect capital raiser, man. So I, I can really see how that works. So let's Thanks. transition a little bit. You guys All have right. found each other. You guys have discovered each other's capabilities, decide on the roles and responsibilities. How did you guys actually get that first real estate deal? Tell us a little bit uh, about that story. Mm -hmm, definitely. And our first deal, 40 units, Knoxville, Tennessee. It occurred, I would say, relatively early on in our development. And again, hats off to Marcel because this deal is, is in his backyard. Uh, it's in Knoxville, Tennessee. He's in Chattanooga, Tennessee, about two hours away. And the situation went down like this. He came across this deal on LoopNet. There are deals on LoopNet. Believe it or not, there are deals on, on LoopNet. Now it's it's a needle in a haystack kind of situation, but there are deals on LoopNet. And he reached out to the broker and was having an initial conversation. And we knew right off the bat, this thing was way, way overpriced. But we were willing to do the dirty work and, and dive in on a deeper level just to figure out, okay, what juice can we squeeze out of this orange? And here's what ended up happening. Basically, the financial tracking and documentation associated with this property was absolute garbage. Absolute garbage. It's mom and pop ran, bro. Mom and pop ran. And they did not do a good job of, of having the necessary documentation. And so here was the play. Here was the play. And Marcel did the heavy lifting on this. He went to the broker and he said, Mr. Broker, no bank is going to conventionally finance this deal. So the only way we're going to get this thing across the finish line, because the the, they're not, sorry, let me back up. They're not going to finance a deal because the documentation is garbage. Everything is just written on a piece of notebook paper. Banks can't do their due diligence and analyze the thing. It's like, if you want to get this deal across the finish line, the only way we can do that is through seller financing. And you know what? They bought into it, man. They bought into it. Yeah, the seller was really wow. Yeah, he, he wanted to offload these properties. And we basically put together four or five different seller finance scenarios and, you know, pulling all the levers, right? You know, down payment, interest rate, IO period, things like that. And, uh, and the seller chose one, those options, the broker bought in and lo and behold, man, the deal got done. But it was one of those things where it, it was nice because we all co come from the sub two community, except for one of us. But three out of the four Freedom Boys come from the sub two community. So, you know, there's that creative financing wheel that gets turning back there. And, and thankfully, mm -hmm. pull that tool out and, and get the deal across the finish line. Wow. First deal, not only is it 40 units, you also got it on creative finance, specifically having a seller finance deal. Um, would you be open to sharing some of the numbers about a deal with us, like purchase price, expected returns, et cetera, like that? Yeah, yeah, definitely, man. So uh, how the deal was structured was it ended up being a, a purchase price of $2.9 million. It turned out to be 17% down, 3% interest rate, and interest-only payments for five years, which is absurd if you think what the market was doing back in like November of last year. So the terms yeah. are, yeah, the terms are absolutely insane. And uh, it's been a really great, great win. And, and we're operating the deal right now. And we're encountering a lot of learning experiences, but uh, that we can like put in our back pocket and apply later on down the road. But it was just 
fantastic terms. And we're just really glad that we were able to create a win-win for all parties involved. Yeah, man, 17% down at 3% interest rate. That That's a crazy, crazy good deal considering how quickly the interest rate skyrocketed last year. So props to you guys. Uh, you mentioned interest-only payments. And I and I want to make sure people understand like why this is such a great term and why people pursue interest-only payments. Can you help the audience understand, like, hey, what's a pro? What, what's a benefit of pursuing interest-only payments in a multifamily deal like you guys did? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, it decreases your monthly payments to the, the quote, quote, bank, you know, if you do interest only, because it, it's, I mean, you want cash flow, right? And so we were looking to maximize our cash flow as much as possible. And the way you do that is have obviously a, a lower payment you owe mm -hmm. to the bank. In this case, it's the seller. And so, yeah, the seller was cool with the interest only payments, man. Man, I love that. And for an audience out there, right, this is why the wealthy get so much wealthier is because they learn these strategies and they learn how to structure these deals and these terms for their advantage. Anytime you can delay increasing your monthly payment, that gives folks like Trevor and his partner, Marcel, the ability to renovate the property, get the rents up so that you can actually cover a higher mortgage payment should you decide to refinance down a road or something like along those lines, your typical value add strategy. So interest only payments, very, very beneficial because then you can keep your payments a little bit lower while you're doing auto renovations. So that's right. That's love right. Love that strategy. Go ahead. And just to add to that, basically the deal has been underwritten for a sale at year five. And, um, once we, once we finish our, our runway of, uh, you know, renovating and, and leasing everything up, turning units, the property is probably going to be worth double of, of what we, whoa. Paid. Yeah. Double your investment in five years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah man, it's It's going to be sick. Man, what a great deal. And one of your first ones out of the gate, too. This is, oh, my God. I knew this was going to be a good story to share with the audience. Um, so you guys got your first deal. Um, tell us about how it's going, because I knew you mentioned um, about your Section 8 tenant. So you guys have 40 units. You guys have one Section 10. Just give us like a two-sentence overview of what you guys did, but then where are you guys along the project now? Like, are you guys doing renovating? Just, just hit on the section eight tenant really quick and then tell us where you are in terms of your progress on, on the property. Mm -hmm. Yep. So we have one section eight tenant and the rents for that unit was around the, the 625 ish, 650 range. And, uh, and thankfully we're able to push that to 800, you know, and what's really important is, having a property management company that knows what they're doing and has built local relationship there with the section eight folks there on the ground. So they did a lot of heavy lifting for us, but that was critical in the process for sure. And right now we're, we're renovating units, working very closely with, with managing the manager, right? <laughs> we got to manage the manager with the property management company there, but um, yeah, renovating units, turning those units, increasing rents and putting a lot of, systems and processes in place to automate things because we're going from about as mom and pop of an operation as you can get uh, to basically something that you know has a lot of automations and things like that that uh, make our lives much easier when we get there oh man that is cool so I, a couple of things i want to unpack there one guys you don't just because you have 40 units doesn't mean you have to make all of them affordable housing or Section 8 tenants. Like, look at what Trevor and Marcel did. They just said, hey, we have 40 units. You can have one Section 8 tenant. You can have a few. You don't have to have everything. You can have a diversified tenant base and rent base between Section 8 and market rent 
just simply based off of your own decision. Or sometimes the Section 8 rents might also be equal, if not higher, than some of the market rents. You never know uh, when until you actually get into it and working with a great property manager like Trevor was talking about for their portfolio. So tons of things for you guys to do. And Trevor, I, I want to maybe shift this conversation now into community, community building. Because what I'm trying to do is with this podcast, like, hey, I'm trying to create a Facebook community. I want to create the largest affordable housing investment community in the United States so that people can figure out how they want to get involved with affordable housing. And that could be a single mom and pop landlord all the way through a multifamily investor like Trevor and Marcel. And when you can just pick up one unit or a couple units or just do ground up development, so many different ways to get involved. But part of that comes from having to educate people on everything related to affordable housing, but also about real estate. So I want to ask you, like, I know this is so much work. How did you guys start your community with multifamily freedom chasers? Because it's, uh, first of all, great name. I love it. Absolutely. Thank love you. It. So Thank you. go ahead. <laughs> Woo! I, I get fired up talking about the, the freedom chasers, man, uh, in our community. And it's one of those things, Kent, where we never, ever thought we would be in the position that we're in right now. If we roll back the hands of time and you had asked us, oh, and you would tell us, by the way, guys, in like one year, this is where you'd be with your community. Never in our wildest dreams would have thought that. So let's run it back, bro. Let's run it back. This is the origin story of the multifamily freedom chasers. It happened by accident. So I mentioned that, you know, the freedom boys, and, and let me just let everybody know when I say freedom boys, number one, that's not a self proclaimed title. For me, Marcel and Victor, it's not self-proclaimed. Somebody else basically designated us as the Freedom Boys in an event, and it just stuck ever since. So it's just a, a easy way to differentiate us between everybody else. But what happened was the Freedom Boys didn't know each other. We came together through a mentorship. And what we decided to do, Kent, was let's hold some office hours, like on Sunday evening, because we know everybody is available Sunday evening for the most part. And let's just like touch base with each other. What, what are we learning through our mentorship? How are we taking action? Okay. Well, what started off as, you know, a 10 person zoom grew to 15, then grew to 20. And then there was more people outside of the mentorship that was like, they, they wanted to get on the action, man. And we needed like a central spot to house all the communication. And so, I mean, what better way to like, you know, have a centralized communication platform than a Facebook group. And so literally by accident and, and hats off to Marcel, cause he's the one that set it all up. He was like, guys, let's just create a Facebook group where I can drop the zoom link in there. And obviously you've got to name the Facebook group. And so it was just <laughs> like multifamily freedom chasers. It's like, because that's literally what we are doing. We are chasing our freedom through multifamily real estate investing. So that's when the Facebook group started. And then once we started kind of disseminating more of the link and, and kind of the word got out, our Zoom numbers kept on growing. And that's when we had a light bulb moment. And we said to ourselves, guys, I think we may have stumbled under something, uh, stumbled over something pretty marvelous right now. And we said this, you know, we looked at ourselves as like, here we are in the thick of life which what I just described earlier, and this is an important uh, factor, Kent. We all are married. We all have multiple small children. We all have W-2s, and we're trying to freedom chase in, in multifamily real estate. 
And we said to ourselves, how many thousands of people out there are in the thick of life just like us? And they're not satisfied with the amount of freedom that they have currently. And they believe in the power of multifamily real estate investing to create the freedom that they want. Said there's got to be thousands of people out there just like us. And we said, you know what, guys, let's do something radical and let's just create a space where people just like us in the thick of life that want to chase their freedom together, we can all collectively come together and be educated and inspired and encouraged on our freedom chasing journey through multifamily real estate. And that's when we kind of made things official, like, oh, all right, we're starting a community. Let's go. Let's go. And there's actually, Kent, for, I'll take a pause right here, but I'm throwing this out as a little teaser. We've identified four ingredients of, of our magic sauce of what has made our community um, powerful. I'm, I'm happy to, to go into it, but I'll, I'll stop there for now if you wanted to throw, throw anything else out there. I mean, no, we're definitely getting into that right away. I think it's just super cool that you guys stumbled upon it. And I think it's such a mindset shift for folks out there. For example, I started this podcast about just under a year, like 10 months ago. And for the longest time, I didn't know whether or not people would listen to it. Because it's kind of like you guys, when you guys came over to Zoom, it's like, hey, is this going to be useful? Like, what if I do this and no one shows up? Like, that's probably the number one fear when, when you're thinking about doing this. For like, sure. what if no one actually cares? And I think you have such a great mindset shift for everybody out there like that wants to build their own community. Everyone out there is looking for – there's absolutely someone out there that's looking for the same thing that you are. For you guys, was looking for the freedom, the financial freedom, and through multifamily, there are you can help so many people just by sharing your journey. Because Trevor, you and Marcel have a story that is much more easily or for people to grasp and then for people to resonate with. Because you are just a couple years ahead, like in terms of research and experience. But then, yeah, yeah. you just closed on a deal not that long ago. But you're like you have forty units. For someone that's listening right now, I would much rather follow you because I don't want to follow the guy with 5,000 doors. I really don't. I, I, I can't picture those steps in front of my my one step. I can't I can't do it. Get your binoculars out, Kent. You got to get I your know. binoculars to see, to see they're even. so far ahead, you know? <laughs> but I guess my point is like follow Trevor because his story is really, really cool. And it also allows you to just learn from his mistakes a little bit in advance. And Trevor is essentially giving you guys a cheat code where you guys get to just look at this experience a year ahead and say, oh, let me save six months of my time by just learning about what Trevor is doing. Um, like for me, I'm learning from Trevor and Marcel about how to build a community because they have done it. And they were only a year ahead of me uh, in front of others. And for us to have the impact that we want to have on the world, it comes from a place of servitude. And you just got to serve and bring so much value to people that they can't ignore you. And I think that is ultimately what we get so much fulfillment for uh, and out of. Not just from the money, but it's really like if I see someone and someone reaches out to me and says, like, hey, thank you so much for that information. That was life changing. Dope. Best feeling in the world. Absolutely right. the best feeling in the world. So Trevor, right. four ingredients. Tell us about it. Where, where are they? All right, man. The, the magic sauce. All right. I'm, I'm pulling. Let me get it out of my back pocket, man. Here we go. Here we go. Okay. Number one, number one magic ingredient. And this is where it all starts. You have to have a vision for the community, period. And that's why I like. You mentioned it in, in your little um, 
monologue there, Kent, just now. You got a vision for your community. Don't just start a community just to start one, man. Right? You just oh, I'm going to start a community. You got to have a vision. What is your community for? And our community is for this. We want to help hardworking, family-loving professionals invest in real estate so that they have more time to spend on what brings meaning, purpose, and joy. And that's where the freedom comes in. Freedom isn't just for freedom itself. Freedom is to then have the time to now you can spend on what brings you meaning, purpose, and joy. So that's our vision, Kent. That is number one. Number two, secret ingredient. And you mentioned this as well. Uh, I think this was in our, our, our pre-call huddle. It's not about us, bro. It's not about us. It's not about Trevor. It's not about Marcel. It's not about Victor. It's not about Freedom Chasers Capital. It's not about the Freedom Boys. It is about the vision and the message and the community collectively progressing through this journey together on our chase for freedom through multifamily real estate. So it doesn't revolve around us as persons. It revolves around us as the brand and as the mission and the community as a whole. That's huge. Number, number three ingredient is this, community leaders. This was huge because this goes back to us being in the thick of life. We're super limited on time. We're super limited on energy and bandwidth. In order for us to deliver the value that we want to give people, we have to have other people that are willing to shoulder the burden with us. And so we have a suite of community leaders that help do really a lot of the heavy lifting when it comes to the educational value and experience that our community offers. That's number three, community leaders. <clears throat> number four is we have a broken down educational ecosystem. Essentially, it's, it's multifamily education 101, 101. And so people can plug in and they know exactly what they're getting into. And each segment builds upon one another as they continue learning in this space. That's a, that's basically the value. Play, right? This is the value that you get. It's the education and then the network. Okay. And it's all for free. And this, so that's like 4A. And then there, this is 4B. <laughs> 4B. And this is important. I think this is really important, Kent. Where people don't have clarity on where they're going it's easy to get discouraged and burnt out. So we came out recently with, uh, in every Zoom, we talk about this. What does it look like in your journey moving forward in the multifamily freedom chasers? And we enlighten that path for them. And, and we don't know exactly how each community member is, like which path they're going to go down, but at least we've described and outlined the paths for them. And, and it's, it's super intuitive, man, but sometimes it's uh, it's easy to have the most intuitive, foundational, you know, simple things just escape you, you know, and and the journey looks like this. The path looks like this. Number one, you come in, you enjoy and partake of all the great resources and network of the multifamily freedom chasers, but you find out multifamily investing is not for you, so you go chase your freedom somewhere else, somewhere else. Outstanding. All the best. Path number two is this. You love multifamily real estate. You believe in it, but yet your season of life, you know, and 